We're going to talk about joy for the next few weeks leading up to Christmas. Excited to cover the subject and, and dive in. And really when you think about it, this is the season of happiness, right? You see all the commercials. I mean, putting up Christmas lights makes people happy, um, especially if they're not the ones that are risking sure death from falling off their roof for doing it. Had lots of conversations with the neighbors about pulling in and just how happy they were to see the lights, right? Makes people happy to put up the Christmas tree. Hopefully you waited until after Thanksgiving. Huh? Anybody? Anybody? I think there's some people that had theirs up in September. But it's, uh, you know, we wait until yesterday. We've got four out of six up and going so far in our house. Not that we're excessive. Um, you know, some people, man, I saw some happy pictures on attempts of being insta-famous. There were happy people heading to the Christmas tree lots to cut down some fresh-cut Christmas trees, you know. Well, in our house, we were just hauling in some fresh plastic fake trees that have not working lights and frustration and panic. But And then, you know, you have the happy holidays season, if you're politically correct. You know, that's just what we're looking at. You hear the term happy, happy happy. Joy, not as much. But happy, you hear all the time. But eventually, happiness wears off. And so, we realize, maybe you didn't make it to the, the tree farm trip. Maybe you're not going to be insta-famous because you didn't have the family photo with the sweaters and the cocoa and the saw. And maybe you, this year, didn't have the ability to keep the lights on, let alone put Christmas lights up. Maybe this year you're in a space where it's just not going to be the, the, the largest gifts under the tree. And so you're going, man, is this going to be happy? There's this pursuit of happiness. And either way, it leads to the same place. When we pursue happiness, we land at emptiness. When we pursue happiness, we don't get joy. Where does joy come from? There's a story in Luke 2. Homework assignment. Read Luke 2 this week. Um, but specifically, there's this segment of Luke 2 that has this passage. Luke 2.10 says, The angel reassured them, speaking of these shepherds in a field, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. That will bring great joy to all people. Great joy to all people. Our big idea today is that joy and happiness are not the same. Now we're going to be talking about joy over the course of the next few weeks. We're going to unpack it slowly, but we're going to unpack just the difference today. Happiness is temporary, a temporary emotional state when joy is something that comes from within and can be experienced in any circumstance. Joy. It's something deep. Jesus came, the angel was speaking of Jesus, right? He came to bring great joy to all people. Great joy. And at the end of his life, he prayed that we would have joy. At the very end of Jesus' life, he finds himself praying a final prayer and he's like, Lord, Make my joy complete that they would be like-minded 
as me, and, and he kept praying for people. But his hope was for our joy. He never went around healing people, raising the dead, and praying over them that they would be happy. But he did desire that they would have joy, a full life, a life that has more than the life lived without Jesus. And so this has happened, this thing, Jesus coming to earth, that we may have joy. I mean, a victory as sweet and devastating as it was, is just temporary happiness, right? Or, or like four years straight of happiness. But, you know, it's, it's temporary. Five years straight. Thank you for that. Anybody? Do I have six? Do I have six? Go on, do I have six? Six, six. I hear them. Seven. Do we have six? True. This is a beautiful thing. And uh, so why? I love how quick you, you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> or was that 10? Was that two hands? I saw two hands, 10, 10. Anybody have 11? Come on, Bill, 11, 11. Do I hear 11? There you go, okay. Um, that's so true. We can have this temporary happiness. In the end, some are trying to convince themselves it's just a game. But the reality is it is just a game. It's, you know, victories come and go. And... That, those experiences come and go. Happiness is fleeting. And we sit there and we go, why do I get so envious and jealous and stirred up about happiness? Especially with social media now. It's easy to look at the one out of 400 photos that looks happy in somebody's photo stream, right? And they put the best one online and we're like, see, they're happy. And we have this thing stirring up in us that just we're pursuing to know success. What is it really? What's making us choose the pursuit of happiness versus embracing joy? And that's what we're going to unpack today. Thought one, the pursuit of happiness creates emptiness. The pursuit of happiness creates a void, if you will, within us. Um, happiness has to be fed. Because it's elusive and, and it changes along with our desires and longings and, and seasons of life. You know, we're like, man, I need the newest. I need, I need, because everybody has, I need the newest iPhone to be happy, right? Or I need the latest toy. You have any children who have opened up the Toys R Us ad and which gifts would you like this year? Oh, just these, you know, or they pick the, this, I'm going to be so happy if, if I get this one, and I need the, okay, adults, I need the newest car, because it just looks so good, and feels so nice to drive, and it's just, it has that new car smell. I don't think I could describe to you the smell in our minivan. First of all, that just right along, you say minivan, and, and you know something like you've hauled stuff in this, right? You've pretended it was a pickup at times, you've done things, you've gone to games. Usually, the family gets in it after sweating. I mean, the smell inside this van, and, and not to make it sound like we don't clean it, because now I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for talking about the smell of our minivan. But if unkept the smell of our van, maybe our van smells like uh, fungal disease on a foot combined with 
spoiled food with a mix of dairy farm, because we live in Buckley, and then you toss in uh, some essential oils to try to cover up the smell. That's kind of the van. I don't know what's living under the carpet. Upside down world, I think, is what's there. It was an inside. Anyway, so they, you know, just the reality of what is in this van. But we got to have the new car smell, so we're just going to ex- overextend our finances because we got to be happy. Any parent who has a child who's got the perfect gift from their list has experienced it. You give them the gift on Christmas, you're hoping for that like happy video of like, ah! you know, maybe a hyperventilation and a pass out is the ultimate goal. You're like, I can resuscitate them. You work up your CPR skills the night before. But day, two, three days later, you find it sitting somewhere it can get stepped on, not played with, abandoned. All that happiness, right? It's fleeting. It only feeds us for a second. A second. And then it's gone. And we always have to to be after the something new to create our happiness. So we get ourselves in this position of trying to pursue the stuff. It's the story, I mean, it's just the story of stuff. It doesn't bring joy. It's the story of, uh, of our experiences. We can try to pursue experiences for joy. We can try to pursue relationships and, yes, even marriage for happiness. And we're pursuing, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves one day not happy or experiencing the emotion of happiness. And we were like, oh, well, I guess I'm not happily married anymore, so I need to move on. If you're by any chance having that emotion, you need to be at the next re-engage session. Uh, Just quick plug, it's incredible. Small group, they'll be starting in the new year, and we'll have sign-ups soon. But anyway, that's not what it's about. This isn't a momentary happiness emotion thing. This is a lifelong joy we should pursue. So why does the pursuit of happiness not work? Well, the first thing is, we hang our hopes on something or someone. And that was not God's intent for us. The only person he wanted us to put our hopes on was Jesus. But when we put our hopes on someone who fails, people fail, we make mistakes, we sin. Or if we put our hope in something to build up our emotional security and and the state of comfort in our life, Man, we're going to get in trouble. It doesn't matter if it's a promotion at work we think would make us happy, a gift that we wanted, a marriage. If we put our hopes on something or someone, it will be fleeting. The second reason the pursuit of happiness doesn't work is we get what we hang our hopes on. Right? We're just going to get the robot vacuum. But its batteries are going to run out. You know, we're going to get the big TV, but no matter how clear we can see the TV, the fill goal is still going to fall two feet short of the goalpost, right? We can't help them out. We can't help them see it. We can't be there. I mean, no matter how clear it is, nothing could help that quarterback 
see the defensive players as they're catching his passes all night. Anyway, moving on, moving on from that experience yesterday. Um, it's just like, why are you throwing to our defense over and over again? Um, we avoid our misery, right? All of a sudden, we have this pursuit of happiness, and we don't get it in the something or someone, and it's fleeting when we hang our hopes on something or someone, and, and it's like, oh, we put, I put my hope in this, and it didn't provide the emotion that I was hoping for, and so now I'm going to avoid what's not providing the happiness I thought it would provide, and so we throw ourselves into work. We become workaholics. We take on the next project to avoid going home and dealing with the unhappiness, and, and we get ourselves into scenarios. Instead of dealing with our misery uh, we, in a healthy way and 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 dealing with our heart and our lives and the things inside, we stick with the outside and we self-medicate. Maybe we try to take another vacation hoping that will bring happiness. Another wine tour of another orchard or whatever they're called. And then, you know, winery. And then you uh, make your way back. <laughs> okay, I just gave it away. I don't do that. Uh, anyway, so, you know, you find yourself trying to cover up these emotions and avoid these emotions instead of dealing with them. But God understood that and that's why he knew we would never figure it out he had to initiate the relationship with us to solve our happiness issue and he knew that it wasn't happiness that we needed he knew what we needed was great joy he knew what we needed was a gift of joy that could only come through his son breaking the cycle of repetition of trying to find happiness and stuff and life and experiences and the Christmas story talks about joy not happiness because they're not the same we make them synonymous but they're actually very very different in source the source of happiness is based on what I have and the circumstances I'm in it's external in nature and, and it doesn't have an internal impact. It's extremely temporary. Where the source of joy is completely different, it's internal, long-lasting in nature. So back to our story in Luke 2, which we really haven't read all of yet, but we'll read a little bit of it. I'll explain the scene. There's shepherds in a field. They're watching their sheep at night, it says. And uh, they're keeping them safe from predators, wolves, thieves, whatever it is that they're... They're trying to defend them from, and they're hanging out. Maybe they're just having a chat, normal night, and talking about Jimmy Fallon's latest thank you notes from Friday night, probably chilling. Wasn't that a funny one? You know, and they're laughing. And then all of a sudden, bam! Like the sky erupts, angels singing like something they've never seen before happening in the sky and their attention is fixed and that's why the angel says in verse 10 don't be afraid and that's the shepherd I'd be going right right it's like oh the angels are singing and there's this thing going and this one talks and says which we've already said I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people then he says this, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. 
Wow. So these angels show up. I'm just going, man, if I were the shepherd, I'm sitting there going, do you have a couple spare strips of cloth? Because I had an accident, right? You're, just, you're nervous. You're sitting there. Ah. And they say, hey, the Savior's been born. Now, these guys know the Messiah. They know what this means. They know. They've studied. They've learned. The story's been passed from generation to generation that God would one day send his son to save the world. And so all of a sudden, there's this heavenly host coming to shepherds. These aren't the cleanest people. They're not the most religious of people. But these angels tell them to go find the Messiah. Because they're going to discover great joy. Thought two, Jesus is the essence of joy. It's funny how happiness is the pursuit of trying to get stuff and make us happy. But the essence of joy is Jesus. And, and yet, he is born poor. In a manger. Just wrapped in cloth. The news goes to shepherds. Jesus, from his birth, begins to change the perspective of what living life to the full really means. Joy does not come from stuff. It comes from Jesus reconnecting us with God so that then we can live life to the full, not dependent upon circumstances or scenarios. We couldn't follow the rules good enough. It's what the Old Testament shows us clearly. We needed a Savior. You can read the first half of the Bible and we just keep tripping and falling, tripping and falling. We couldn't live good enough lives to deserve salvation. We needed a Savior. We needed a Savior to come and show us the way back to God. And Jesus is the Savior in a manger in this scene returning us to joy and a truly full life. A life that has more. And if you want to know what joy looks like, and those who freshly discovered joy, this video will kind of show you a glimpse of what true joy is. That's life-changing joy. Right? Yeah, come on. One day, Carson, I will get your hair wet. That's the goal, right? One of these days. One of these days. It was awesome. It was such a cool moment to be a part of, and the Bible says that life transformation is the source. That confession, that life in Jesus is the true source of never-ending joy. Joy is an emotion, but it comes from within. Joy is an action, and it manifests itself from within our heart. It, like, it's a, it, comes, it makes us do stuff like serve others unconditionally. Joy is a lifestyle, it's an attitude, it's a, it's a mindset that no matter what comes at me, I choose joy. Thought three, the good news of great joy is for everyone. That's the promise. God promises these shepherds that. That means you're included, I'm included All people are included in the promise of having access to greatest joy they could fathom. You don't have to be a part of 
or you don't have to, to be perfect to experience joy. You don't have to be in a lineage of people who followed Jesus to have access to joy. You don't have to have grown up in a Christian home to choose Jesus and experience joy. You get joy unconditionally, no matter your background, no matter what you're like right now. You can choose Jesus. You can come to church. You can pursue God. You know, it's a scripture that's more Easter than Christmas. But there's a passage in Romans 5.8 that says very clearly that any of us at any time can come to Jesus. And in Romans 5.8 it says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. It wasn't that we perfected ourselves and all of a sudden deserved for Jesus to come to earth. It wasn't that all of a sudden we got it right, we could obey all the commandments, we could obey all the laws, and now, finally, God chose to send Jesus. And it's not that way today. In fact, Jesus' birth is a story about God sending his son for sinners, not just those who used to be sinners, but those who right now are in the midst of sinful choices. And that's the good news of it. I mean, the good news in the first place is that Jesus showed up. Imagine if the good news of great joy was only for a select group of people. If, if it was only for those who made a certain amount of money. Or it was only for those who uh, had a certain lifestyle. Or were in a certain lineage. I actually worked in a Christian bookstore when I was a brand new follower of Jesus, and, and I was really bad at it. Like, I didn't know anything. And really, I, they shouldn't have hired me because I was so uh, naive about stuff. I just didn't know, like, the rules or, like, what people were going to make it and what people weren't going to make it. And, uh, like, people would walk into the store, and I would confuse them because I was confused. So they would ask for, like, do you have any books on cults? And I didn't know better. I would say, I'm sure we do. Come with me, and I'm trying to serve them, be loving. And uh, so I'd walk them back into the bookstore, and I'd, I'd land right here, you know, because um, they, uh, or no, 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 I, I got it wrong. I just totally gave away the punchline in that story. Shoot. They came in, and they said, do you have any books on, on, for Catholics? And I was like, oh, yeah, we have tons of them. They're right back here. And I walked back to the cults section. It would have been funnier if I didn't mess it up and go back. But anyway, uh, the, it, I felt awful because it wasn't true. The Catholicism isn't a cult. And I was just like, oh, no, I messed up. So I'd get in trouble like that. But the Bible guy there, like this guy who uh, sold the Bibles, would tell stories about his church. And it literally had rules. You had to have been born into the families that started that church to go. They turn people away who show up as guests if they can't prove, like, birthright. So it's like where I don't find that anywhere in Scripture. They were practicing that in, like, modern day, 20 years ago. And I'm sure it's still practiced. But I just look at those kind of things and I go, imagine how painful that would be. Because the Bible says here, this good news of great joy is for 
everyone. It means it's for your neighbor, it's for my neighbor. No matter what football team they root for. Which I actually did a good deed yesterday. I had neighbors with visitors wearing cougar clothes. Like actual outfits <laughs> that said cougars on it. Anyway, and uh, so I was working on the lights in the yard. And, and they had a football and they were playing because they need to practice when they're young if their team's ever going to have. But so they were practicing, and their ball was flat, so they're probably Green Bay fans too. Or no, wait, that was, that was a different team. That was the Patriots. And so, uh, you know, so they're just practicing. Either way, it's bad. And so they're practicing, and they were like, the, our neighbors just moved in, so I want to make a good impression, right? But then they have the Cougar logo. Anyway, so the, they were uh, needing air in their football, so I actually without condition, filled their ball with air. And uh, that was a good deed right there. Uh, it was a good deed. We had another neighbor go by, and I'm wearing husky garb, so they, people would drive by that I knew were cougars, and I would just, like, show off my husky logo and stuff, and this car turned around. Unbelie- I know, it's unbelievable, right? It's just astonishing. They rolled down their windows and uh, played the fight song for WSU. While driving by slowly, my house. That's a Buckley drive-by, guys. We're, like, this is the next L.A., Oakland, the hood. Going to have to report that to the sheriff. Yeah, it's crazy, the place we live in and what people have to face. But even the gospel is for our neighbors, no matter what logo they wear on their shirt. It's for everybody. The gospel is for everyone. There's no partiality. God shows no partiality in season of our life. It's not just for the healthy. It's not just for the sinless. While we were yet sinners. So we have to carry that mindset with us into the community. There's nobody disqualified that we interact with. They deserve the great joy we experience. And sometimes that can be hard to imagine. Our final thought, thought four. Overflowing joy is found through obedience to God. It's kind of a curve here. Now get this. It continues in the story of Luke 2. These shepherds make their way to baby Jesus. It says in verse 16, They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. And who heard the shepherd's story, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks and they were glorifying and they were praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The shepherds experienced great joy that day because they were obedient to the instructions of an angel. They just did it. They stepped out. They stepped away from the sheep. They had plenty of reasons not to listen. It was a risk. But they did experience great joy because of listening and obeying. See, in John 15, it's, Jesus said this, When you obey my commands, you remain in my love. 
just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Your joy will overflow. By what? Simply obeying the teachings of Jesus. That's why we need to be in our Bible. Reading. Getting our daily Bible count and you version up. Read every day. Find a Bible reading plan. Grab an Advent plan this week on your you version. Or if you physically read the Bible, grab a plan that you can read so that you can begin to hear these things from God that you can follow and obey and watch the joy increase and increase and increase. Do people see the joy of Jesus in your life? Do they experience the overflow? Because it says we'll get joy overflow through this relationship with Jesus. Are people around us like getting hit with that joy overflow? Are they getting caught up in the wave of it? Because we should be joy filled. Maybe you're going to Buy one of the presents, and I know all the tags are off the tree already, but there's some gifts left there that you can grab and wrap. We already acquired them. All you need to do is wrap them and bring them back next Sunday. But there, there's, you know, maybe that's your source of joy. You're like, yeah, I'm, okay, God, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to step out and do this this week, and I'm going to experience joy. But it can even be something crazy. Maybe... Like with us, 10 years ago, 9 years ago, when God was like, surprise, I think I want you to start this church in Bonnie Lake called Open Life. What? Our action point is pursue obedience. Crazy broad. It'll get more specific week after week as we unpack joy. But God has a plan for your life. Just as he had for this moment in the shepherds' lives, which gives us just a glimpse of the joy as they're glorifying God, praising him for the experience they just had and for Jesus showing up. But if we'll listen and pursue Jesus and obey his commands, there's some joy in our life that we can't acquire through the next version of 4K, OLED, wrapped, warped, curved TV, 3D 5D, whatever the D is, you know, the next video game, the next phone, the new version of pen or iPad or Surface or self-driving or whatever it is. Fleeting. If we want joy, it's following Jesus. If we want joy, it's following him wherever he challenges us to go. Maybe you've heard it. The delayed obedience is disobedience. What's God been stirring in your heart? Maybe it's been for a while and you've just been setting it aside over and over again. Joy is awaiting you. Take hold of that thing and pursue it. I'm going to pray for you today. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you to pursue you and your promise is still the same today the great joy for everyone 
awaits us. I pray right now, God, that you would stir in us the obedience you long for, that you promise will bring us this overwhelming joy rooted in our relationship with you, that you'll stir in us the willingness to follow your direction. That, God, you'll surround us with with those who will uh, help us pursue you, that we can grow in relationship with each other and you, and, and that we can pursue the dreams you put inside our spirit and experience this holiday true joy. Maybe some in this room have yet to choose to follow you, Jesus. I pray that they would right now invite you into their hearts so that that joy can overflow from within by simply saying, Jesus, I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. I choose to follow you today. And I long to learn what it is to follow you every day of the rest of my life. God, as we pursue you, as we pursue obedience to you, I pray that we would have stories of joy coming out of this week. Lord, as we continue in this series, that joy would emanate out into our neighborhoods, into our community, into the schools, into government, into this region. As a fulfillment of your promise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.